Hi, everyone. It's Melinda Garvey with the See It To Be It podcast. This week, we have another great interview with an incredible role model. Stay tuned. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the See It To Be It podcast. I'm your host, Melinda Garvey founder of On The Dot, and of course, our mission is to bring you an incredible, relatable role model every single week on our podcast, and this week is no different. I am super excited to welcome Laura Zam. She is an author, a sexuality educator, and a certified trauma professional. Laura, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm really thrilled to be here. Well, as I like to have all my guests do, I like you to go way back. Think about when you were growing up. What was your big dream? What do you think you'd be doing? Well, I grew up in the 60s. I was born in 63. And by the time I started watching television, that girl with Marlo Thomas was on television. And for those who don't know what that was, Marlo Thomas played an actress, a single actress in Manhattan who had her own apartment and a boyfriend, and she would go out on these auditions. She was kind of wacky. And I grew up wanting to be Marlo Thomas. And I did become Marlo Thomas because after I graduated from college, I moved to Manhattan, and I was a single woman in New York with a boyfriend or two. And there (laughs) I was going out on auditions. Wow. So you really lived out that dream. I love it. I love it. See there, and you found a relatable role model in Marlo Thomas. You said, wait a minute, I could do that. See, it just proves my theory, right? You got to see it to be it. You have to see it to be it. Exactly. Oh, I love that. So tell us more about just your career trajectory. So you came to New York, you became an actress. And then what happened? Tell us a little bit about your acting career and sort of how it blossomed from there. Sure. Well, I grew up in New York. So moving to New York was just moving from Brooklyn to Manhattan because in those days people tried to get out of Brooklyn. So I got out of Brooklyn and I was working as an actor for a few years, maybe five years. Mostly I was waiting tables and it wasn't going very well. I had a lot of day jobs. And then I decided to write for myself. Actually, it was spontaneous. One day I was walking down the street and a monologue formed in my head and I just went with it. I went home and I transcribed it from my brain and I started creating my own performance pieces. And those turned into short pieces, turned into full-length one-person plays. And then I got it into my head in 1993. I was going to move to Prague, to the Czech Republic because I just wanted out of New York and I wanted a different experience as an artist. And I hooked up with a theater company there called Misery Loves Company. And believe it or not, we were very successful doing English language theater in the Czech Republic. (laughs) Very interesting. Yeah. And there's certainly, I mean, I've been to Prague. It's one of my favorite cities in Europe. And certainly there's a lot of tourism there. So, you know, I'd imagine, and it's so much fun to do those nights out in Prague. And we would perform for tourists, and, but mostly we performed for each other. There was such a huge expat community right. in Prague at that time in the mid to late 90s. And then I came back to the U.S. and I got an MFA in playwriting. And I didn't know what I was going to do after grad school. And I landed a job by happenstance here in D.C. working for Arena Stage, a big regional theater. And I was continuing to do one-person plays for a while. And then I created a one-person play that's in my book about my sexual trauma and healing from that. And then I got 
published in the New York Times Modern Love. And so it was kind of an excerpt from the play. And then I decided that I would try my hand at publishing. And that's gone well. I think I'm more on the page now than the stage or, or not so much the theater these days. But my public speaking allows me to tap into my theatrical background. Right. Well, I was intrigued when, you know, I saw that you'd written a piece for The Modern Love. I mean, it certainly is obviously hugely popular and became sort of a little, I don't know if you call it a mini series. I remember I happened upon it and watched it and it was just so intriguing. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners have seen that. So tell us a little bit more about your Modern Love piece and what it was about. So my Modern Love piece was about how I was 42. I had not been in a relationship where I loved someone and that person loved me back. I had so many bad experiences as a single person and had really not even found, not even true love, but even love in the fullest sense. And I didn't know why that was, but I suspected it had to do with my history of being abused. And one day I was complaining to a new friend of mine who's a very mystical woman. And I confessed to her that there was one man that I always loved, but I hadn't seen him in 11 years. He was somebody I'd had sort of an affair with two decades before. I didn't even know where he was. He didn't know where I was. But in my heart, I felt like he was the person that I needed to heal me. So she recommended that I go home and I use law of attraction. I manifest him. And so the piece is what happens after I go home. <laughs> I manifest him and I do manifest him, if you can call it that. I find out a few days later that he is going to be performing a one-person play about his own romantic adventures and failures. And much of the play actually took place during the 90s, during the time that we had periodically been involved. But anyway, I found out he was coming to DC, to my city, to perform in just a few weeks' time for just one night. Wow. And I happened to be free that night, because I, I usually taught Monday nights, but I wasn't teaching that night because of spring break. And anyway, so the piece goes on to detail what happens when I go to the theater to, you know, confront this person that I haven't seen in all these years and basically tell him you're the person that I think needs to heal me. Wow. I'm going to have to look that up and read the whole thing. That's just so really neat that you had that published with Modern Love. That's a super cool story. Thank you for sharing that. Sure. So tell us a little bit about your book and what inspired you to write it and what do you sort of hope the outcome will be from this book? Yeah, thank you for asking it that way. I love that. So my book, The Pleasure Plan, One Woman's Search for Sexual Healing, that's the full title. The Pleasure Plan is about my journey healing from six different kinds of sex challenges, including those that are associated with libido, with orgasm with arousal, with hormone ravages, with trauma as well. To heal myself, I go on this elaborate journey. I see 15 different kinds of practitioners and I try 30 different healing modalities alone, but also with my amazing husband. And eventually I'm cured in this way. To answer the other part of your question, I wrote the book because I felt so ashamed initially admitting that I had these problems, even admitting them to myself. And I wanted to normalize discussion around sexual problems, around sexual healing. And I wanted to empower and inspire women to make pleasure a priority. 
Very cool. And let's talk a bit about, you know, when you talk about, you know, shame, and I think that oftentimes shame is associated with lack of confidence, which, you know, women, you know, you hear a lot about the confidence gap and women struggling with that. What are some key things you think that, and not just necessarily with one's sexuality, but really in life, I think that so many of these things sort of translate over, right? If you can overcome that confidence gap. So what are some things that you recommend to women to, you know, sort of feel more powerful, feel more confident? A couple of things. One is I think that shame has a very symbiotic relationship with self-blame and that the shame actually arises from the fact that women are not forgiving themselves and putting it upon themselves that they are responsible for whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And then they feel this shame around it, ashamed of something they think they did or didn't do. So I think that One way that women can heal from the shame is to root out that self-blame, to figure out if that's going on and then to forgive themselves or to reconceptualize it so that they see, no, I'm not responsible for this thing. That's somebody else's thing. That was done to me, not something I did. And the other antidote to shame that I like to speak about in talks, etc., is just talking about whatever it is. I had a really interesting experience when I started just talking to people about my play where I was at an event and somebody said, oh, you're a writer, what are you writing? I didn't know how to talk about it at first, so I just blurted it out. I'm working on a one-person play about healing in the aftermath of childhood sexual abuse. And she got very nervous and walked off. But then she came back 10 minutes later, she tapped me on the shoulder and she said, you know, my brother had schizophrenia. And it was such a non sequitur, but not. Mm. I had revealed something potentially shameful and it gave her license to reveal something potentially shameful. And now we had both crossed over this shame line. And so I think it's really figuring out what am I ashamed of and can I speak about it? You don't have to speak to the whole world about it. You don't have to write a book like I did about my sex life. But talk to one person, tell one friend, tell a therapist, tell your partners. If you feel that there's something there that's in this, it's kind of a dark place, that shame. Well, I think that certainly, you know, by you, you know, you talk about sort of being able to reveal that and someone feeling comfortable revealing something because you've revealed that. I mean, you've sort of done that in a very public way because now you've given the opportunity for lots of people to read your book and to then feel like, okay, someone has revealed something to me and maybe I can do it too. Again, it's that role model aspect, you know, you're really role modeling out how you do that. You know, that's awesome because I know that, you know, and certainly there is a lot of that in the world, unfortunately, you know, a lot of sexual abuse that's happened and certainly just taking it even back to the workplace with the Me Too movement and how difficult it was for people to come forward. And I know that I've heard so many people say, well, I don't understand. I mean, why wouldn't they have just said something if that happened to them or if they were harassed? And you know, just not really understanding its shame. You know, you should have been able to do something to stop it. Yeah, and often the predators, very often serial predators, they know how to prey upon this vulnerability. So they do things in a very subtle way so that the person, the victim, is automatically going to think, wait, did that just happen? Did that guy just grab my boob? No, I must be imagining it. No, something's wrong with me. Why would I possibly imagine something as crazy as that? I must be right on and on. 
And is there a piece of advice maybe that you've gotten over the years or one that you kind of is your go-to that you like to give? And if so, what would that be? Well, there's two things that I came out of my book really recommending to other people. And one is to, when it comes to sexual issues, to get clear on what exactly is going on. And that is connected to the shame and being able to talk about these things. Unfortunately, doctors, but also mental health professionals don't necessarily have an easier time talking about sex than we do. And so they don't necessarily bring these things up. And so we don't bring these things up and consequently nothing gets resolved. So it's really trying to talk about these things, forcing oneself perhaps to bring it up, especially with some kind of a health provider who might be able to steer one in a good direction. And the other piece of advice I like to talk about is getting really, really fantastic sex information, pleasure education. Most of us are running around with the sex ed that we got when we were in seventh grade and augmented perhaps by things that we picked up from partners, but we don't necessarily have a really complete picture of what's going on. And if our bodies change, when our bodies change, we often are very blindsided by that and don't have enough knowledge to really pivot. So get a great diagnosis and also find some great sex ed. That's great advice. So tell us, as we close up, where can our listeners find out more about you? Where can they find your book? Just where can they follow you? Sure. Well, following me is easy, laurazam.com, and you'll see all my social media icons are there. And I love, love, love to connect with people via social media. Feel free to DM me or any way you want to message me. You can write to me via my website. That's also fantastic for me to hear from people. And buying my book is Amazon, Barnes and Noble, also your local bookstore. I don't know if people know necessarily that your local bookstore has access to distributors. They can get any book that they want. So if you go into your local bookstore and ask them for my book, even if it's not literally on their shelves, they can acquire it. Right. And the book is called The Pleasure Plan. Correct. Wonderful. Well, Laura, thank you so much. We really appreciate you sharing today. I'm definitely going to go check out your Modern Love column so I see how everything turned out. (laughs) And just really appreciate you sharing with us and being with us today and excited to watch and see what you do next. Thank you, Melinda. Really, really a pleasure. Thanks a bunch. Thanks for listening to the See It To Be It podcast. For more female empowerment, inspiration, and advice, subscribe to our free weekly newsletter featuring a new woman to watch each week. And check out over a thousand more featured women at onthedotwoman.com. Know someone we need to feature? Reach out at onthedotwoman on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.